0: seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, well, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic.
1: Hello and welcome to the at Celtic podcast. My name is Long Stonigan and I'm joined this week, as I'm joined every week, of my good pals, Remy McSway Paul Thompson. How are you doing, Remy?
2: I'm a, I'm very good. How are you? Uh,
1: you are working for the NHS. Is that right? Temporary. No. Well. No. Go on then. What's what, you, what you? Give me your official time.
2: I'm working with the NHS and in the NHS, but not for the NHS.
1: Anyway, I only bring it up to say well done, pal. Uh, very proud of you. Um, so. It's, we're recording at, we've missed a clap, but...
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say, well, thank God for that, but if I sneeze,
3: I'll <laughs> speak again in a couple of weeks. Okay. Right. Uh, Paul, how you doing, mate? I'm alright, I'm just preparing my early day motion for passing on an MP. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute. Here, uh, big show this week, uh, very complicated, all sorts of financial affairs, and so we've got to get the brains of the outfit on Harry Brady. How you doing, Harry?
4: I'm excellent, guys. How
1: are you? Um, we're all good. I'll speak for the three of us. How, how's, how's things? How's things? That
4: nobody asked you, Lawrence. At this time, we should all be caring. How are things in in California?
1: Right. Well, things. The weather was crap for a while. Um, we're lucky enough to live on the side of a hill, uh, quite isolated. Uh, we go to the shops once every three or four days. Uh, you can't go out now, you get arrested. if Not arrested, but you if you don't wear a face cover uh, covering, you'll get a ticket. Uh, the wee man tried to sne- sneak on the golf course yesterday, do a bit of chipping and putting, and the cops came, huckled them off. So it's uh, <laughs> California jumped on this, vi- well, rel- not very, very early, uh, relatively early. Uh, March the 12th, everything was shut down. Maggie was uh, sent home from work March the 3rd. And that's all reflected in the California numbers. Uh, The numbers are relatively, population of 32 million and relatively uh, small numbers of uh, cases, which is amazing considering the first COVID-19 death in the States was actually in in a place called Santa Clara, which is not far from San Francisco. Uh, So pretty good job. Ah, it's fine, you know, can't complain. I'm sure a lot of people are in a lot of worse situations, but thanks for asking, uh, Harry. Can I
2: can I ask how are you, Mister Blue Sky? <laughs> I, I,
4: I am excellent. I, obviously, with the title of like that, I am always of a cheery disposition.
1: Hey, have you been on Kay Adams much? Is he
4: are you still on? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was on not this week. So it's every second Tuesday. So I was on not this week, but last week, and I'll be on next Tuesday.
1: Hey, again, you can call me up. If I'm speaking at order. But is it true that you and her are having an affair?
4: somebody said to me at christmas you know what's she like as a person i have no idea no but like you you know if anybody's been on the radio will understand like she's doing a show i turn up i walk in we then start a conversation obviously have to chat as if we're best pals like I, I, then walk out, sit outside for twenty minutes, walk back and carry on the conversation, and then leave. So I never see get, and she's on air during the end into beating period. So I never get a chance to speak to her. Out with I always
2: being on. Always think she's very flirty with you, Brian. Hey Harry, sorry.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a quite a good cover story, Paul, mm-hmm. isn't it? From from Harry. Harry. Aye, so, so so basically, she she brings you in, has her way with her and discards you quickly. <laughs> yeah that's it yeah hey anyway, listen
1: he oh very good uh, so is that all our witty banter and bad energy out the way um <laughs>
3: that's, a that's
1: it um where to start I, I, quite a lot um uh, i think we'll start with the uh murky gate i think we'll call it murky gate uh the are you bored with this, uh, Harry, that all this SPFL shenanigans of what, what, what happened with this vote? and It seems to have very much quietened down recently, hasn't it?
4: Utterly bored, shitless, with it. Bec- be- so basically, what? Three, cl- four clubs, three, four clubs have got an issue with it. Two or three journalists have tried to make it sound like it's a big deal. I mean, a good example though of the success for a brief period they had in making it sound like a big deal I was on a call with a mate who's not that into Scottish football started asking me about it he genuinely was stunned when I told him that 87% of clubs had supported the the proposal because he really only just take, made paid cursory attention to it and he thought the majority of clubs had voted against it and then been persuaded to vote the other way uh,
1: yeah I mean again it's a classic case you, you make the most noise then you know people will pay attention to you uh well the it's not exactly a silent majority but i mean the clubs who voted it through have, well actually les gray came on didn't he paul les gray was on the hamilton is he chairman or whatever he is was on uh sports sound on sunday i thought it was uh listen to him i tried not to listen to all that crap recently but i listened to that one and it was essentially game set and match wasn't it
3: I think when you're at the point where Les Gray is, is the adult in the room, then it kind of shows you where where things have gone. It's uh, thank God he's no in charge of the finances, but uh,
5: <laughs> uh, 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 uh.
2: I think I think we yeah, uh, yeah. Paul, Paul, can I just can I just do the obvious joke? It's about time Les Gray's name wasn't mud.
3: Oh, one for the kids, there. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I I know he's been put forward as the, the kind of face of SPFL in the last few days and, and by comparison to some of the nonsense that we were hearing the previous week, he, he did come over as relatively coherent. He came over he, he told a you know, a, a fairly straight story about what had happened and what hadn't happened. He was quite clear that there been conversations because that's how business works, you know, chief executives organisations have conversations with their members and the run up to big votes you know, wow, we're all stunned to, to find that out guys Uh but, you know, I think the, the noise is still there, I mean you, you saw it on the, the action to it my, my favourite, and without kind of singling anybody out, but the Ewan Murray one which was I think he tweeted on Monday after the the Les Gray interview that he, he could see now and understand why Rangers didn't bring their evidence forward, if that's the reaction they're going to get for the SPFL. So you're kind of looking at it going, really? It's just been that bizarre couple of weeks.
1: Here, Harry, what do you think has been wrong with Rangers then? What, what that proposition, we have evidence, but we're not going to give it to you unless you set up an independent inquiry which seems bizarre what why would you set up an independent inquiry if you've got nothing to investigate
4: because it's all that stuff that we've talked about now for 18 months two years about them about their trumpian uh, pr strategy as they realize that in this modern world of uh, uh, people pay attention for 15 20 seconds for the 280 characters of a tweet That's all you need to do. You just need to make, you just need to chuck the mud out there. And the people who don't then fall through on the story and don't pay attention, they just hear the first bit about we've got evidence and there needs to be an independent inquiry. I mean, one of the things you just mentioned there, I think it's been fairly embarrassing for established journalists like Ewan Murray and Tom English, what they've demonstrated is a complete lack of any understanding of business whatsoever because they seem shocked and horrified about absolutely bog-standard stuff that anybody would expect to be the case.
1: What do you mean in terms of...?
4: Uh, uh, well, so one of the things Ewan Murray, uh, in one of his tweets was uh, that Neil Doncaster is uh, there representing all the clubs... And there was something murky, to use the Tom English language, coming remember how he put it about the fact that you and Murray had uh, been phoning round the clubs to try and persuade them to accept the the proposition.
1: I Doncaster, not you.
4: Doncaster, sorry, Doncaster has been phoning round to try and get clubs to. No, Doncaster's the chief executive. The board came up with a proposal to the clubs. It, uh, I find it incomprehensible that the chief executive would not phone the members and say, dear member, I'm phoning to speak to you about the proposal that the board ha- are putting forward and we would recommend you vote for it and here's all the reasons why. He should be fired if he doesn't make that phone call. Right. Yeah, you, Murray, who patently knows bugger all about business, seems to be trying to imply
1: that the guy doing his job is somehow doing something suspicious. Can I ask then, as a layperson, shouldn't the CEO stand above this process? It's not his job? No. No. He's the executive of the business.
4: He's the chief executive of the business. The board have made a proposal and said, this is what we recommend and here's all the reasons why. I just find it incomprehensible that the executive officer of that business would then turn around to the board and say, well, I'm not supporting your proposal. It's yeah. just bonkers. Did, did, did one of the board members not say that though? Well, yeah. Well, one
1: of their board members is bonkers too. <laughs> the um, it seems like a well. That, I'm assuming that's why Murdoch McLaren or McClellan, or whatever his name is. He he didn't make the calls because he's a he's a non-exec chairman or something, isn't he? Is that right? Again, business is not my specialist subject.
4: Yeah, he's the he's the chairman, the non-exec chairman who is there to ensure a uh, property of the board and that they are doing things in line with uh, regulation and um, good governance.
1: Here, Rem, I, I haven't, did I interrupt you, Harry, on you go, sorry.
4: No, I was just going to say, and he's got an a, a, an excellent reputation in business, is far superior than some of the fly-by-nights that are sitting in the south side of Glasgow. well,
1: yeah. Actually, I think he's a lifelong Rangers fan. I think I played golf with his brother-in-law at uh, Glasgow Gales once, and he was telling me about, you know, the guy I was playing with was a, a die-hard blue-nose, and he was saying, I'm nah, a brother-in-law, is this, that, and the next thing. Um, Glasgow Gales? Yes, I'm surprised about that. Well, I went on there? No, it was full of huns. Oh, by the way, actually, that was the day I went in there, I mean, the quick golf detour, and you go in and it's a white tablecloth, red and blue napkins, and the the dining area whatever it's called I mean Jesus Christ here um, I'm not being as I say Rem I haven't been following it that closely the the kind of bullying stuff has that gone away now or is that still floating around
2: it appears to have uh, all gone very quiet I mean Super Grand's been bought off with her uh, the league reorganisation reconstruction committee that's never going to get anywhere Uh, Thistle seem to have moved into acceptance mode. Um, Falkirk, the chairman, said, well, not really happy about it, but not a lot we can do. And, and, and I understand Falkirk and Hearts and Thistle all having a complaint. I can't understand. Well, I can understand. But there is nothing in this for the Govan Galacticos because they were not going to win the league. So they are just making lots and lots of noise. They pretend it's a big conspiracy and everybody's against them and they have no evidence of anything and Woodward and Bernstein in the <laughs> Scottish media have made an absolute arse of themselves. With a, uh, you know, Ewan Murray is all over the place in this. It's obvious he all he wants is hearts to stay in the league, but he pretends he's wanting fairness. It's total self-interest and he'd be better off just admitting that
1: the um of course from from my perspective my experience my exchanges if you say well the bullying coercion stuff is absolute rubbish uh, why would you have an independent inquiry uh, into that straight away the subject has changed into the uh, dundee vote the process of that and then you get that that's uh explained and then it's they jump on to well, what about the loans thing? I mean, Les Gray dismantled the loans thing, didn't he, Harry? I don't know if you heard it, but the loans things are just a non-starter. And even, Chick Young, who said, well, what about giving out loans? How could you give loans? The is a business. How could you give out loans to? Well, certainly one club. when you you know you might never get the loan back.
4: It's, it's utterly ridiculous the concept that you give out loans when. I don't need to know the business plans and the current financial state of all the SPFL clubs to know that if there's no spectators in grounds by September and they start the league in September behind closed doors, we'll be the only club on zero points. And uh, Well, we'll come on to that
1: later. And we might, you, you know, we're not a stonewallet and make it to September. Um, oh, we'd
4: make it to September
1: well well let, I want to leave that till the,
4: the second yeah. half right um here. But, but that's why you don't give the loans because it's fairly obvious that you're not going to get the money back so so you've and and if you know that as you say that you know again it's a business and there's got to be good governance you know getting back to the accusation that there was some form of poor governance that was leading to the to the decision it was given ultra bad governance to give out money to clubs that they know are going to go to the wall
1: so, what would be the process then? Would the SPFL just become a creditor?
4: Yeah, and, and, and they're not getting any security on the loan, so they're unsecured loans, so they get a hee haw chance of getting it back. Uh,
1: again, I think Wes, you know, it was quite funny when he turned Chick Rung. Actually, I thought Chick Rung was okay on that. Uh, he turned him around in about thirty seconds on that one. Here, Paul, you're the only one. Well, you're not. Everybody reads it. I, I, I didn't. I was busy today. The UEFA announcements today. What, what can you bring us up to speed? What, what were they? What do they mean? Oh, he's disappeared. Paul. Oh fuck, Paul. He's
2: not there.
1: He's Is not there. We? He's
2: there. He's there. I can see him.
1: I asked you a question I'm here. I asked you. I spoke. Can you not
3: hear me? No. no. Right, start All again. Right. Just right. go again. Stop. Right, go. All right, so effectively what UEFA have come out with today is guidance for how, uh, I, I guess a framework you would call it for how leagues can be finished between now and it's looking like the end of July. They haven't set the dates out today, but they are talking about the UEFA competitions being completed during August. So... I think that effectively sets our 31st July deadline for when you can play your games by, if you're going to play your games. Uh, realistically, where that kind of leaves Scotland now, and the interesting thing being that the only name two leagues in their announcement today is, mm. is having consulted with, and that was Belgium and Scotland. So it's quite clear, given the situation with Belgium a couple of weeks ago and, and the similarities with Scotland, that you know those are the, the, the two nations, and probably Holland as well, that have been agitating for or some kind of conclusion to come. But I think where it leaves us effectively cutting through the, the UEFA legalese on that is I think we've got four options. One's you, you play your games, but you've got a, a probable deadline the 31st July for that. And given the Scottish government this week came out and were quite sceptical about sports being played in Scotland anytime soon, I think that was a, the expression they used was anytime soon. Uh, that's unlikely. Uh, you can play up to the split because they're they're talking about sport and integrity coming into play and you know that would get you to a point where at least everybody would have played the same number of games played 33 games everybody's played each other three times Uh, again same reasons as as the last option probably unlikely Uh, some mention about playoffs now I think the the Huns have jumped on this as thinking that they can get a playoff from a 13 point gap and, and you know of a one piece, uh, sorry, a one a one game extravaganza at Hamden with us with thirteen goals at our start, but that ain't going to happen. I think what what the definition of playoffs that UEFA have talked about today is around close leagues and close positions around UEFA competition qualification. So effectively, if you looked at our league for example, it's probably unlikely that the Rangers can be called for second place, giving them the benefit of the doubt. So assuming that we finish first, they finish second. Uh, there's an argument to say that I think there's only a point between Aberdeen and Motherwell. So there's a, you know, one's got a definite UEFA qualification, Europa League qualification there in third place, and one currently is relying on how the Cups finish for the other UEFA place. So you could argue you could do a playoff for that position. Uh, But I think where it effectively leaves us is the most likely outcome that we've talked about all along, is that the SPFL are pretty much now clear. If they can demonstrate... Either that the government have laid down legislation to say that they can't play, or they can demonstrate financial hardship if they try to play extreme financial hardship, which I think, as we've talked about with the TV contracts, is probably quite e- quite easy to demonstrate. Uh, they get to, to call the leagues, and, and I think that's where we are probably heading. Uh, Harry, I
1: think Paul's massively underplayed the playoff option. I mean... <laughs>
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, with a thirteen-point differential, that—that's—that's that's the fairest way would be to have a one-game playoff uh, for it. Uh, obviously, what probably the fairest way to do it would be you give you give every t- the teams maybe a half-point handicap system for every po- a half-goal handicap for every for every point. So maybe we start the game, Celtic seven-nil up or something like that. It's and it's. Uh, See if we can... I mean, it's just... I, I, to some extent, I've now slightly become bored with all this stuff.
1: Well, because, what, what, UEFA or the argument about ending the league?
4: Well, both, actually. Because UEFA are going to turn around and eventually say, right, you can't play football. There's no football being played. But we do have to be in a position that we know who's playing... European football whenever it starts up, so please tell us who your champions are, who your second place team is, who your third place team is, and just uh, sort it yourselves to go and sort it. That's what's eventually going to happen.
1: I, I noticed today, uh, as a parliament, a guy called Paul Kelser, who is, uh, I used to work in the garden. he's now, uh, Rem, he's now the business correspondent of Sky News, and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed him today. He was, had a popped up on his Twitter feed, and he was saying, "Ah, oh, this is such a mess. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. The only uh, option is just to null and void the whole, the whole of the season, right? Of course, he should know better, Paul. I mean, he does know better. Uh, the the business, uh, the business implications for that are horrendous. But what people should really know is that Paul's a massive Spurs fan. <laughs> so if everything's null and void, it goes back to last year. Spurs getting the Champions League again." Uh, The point I'm trying to make is everybody, nobody comes to this from an
2: unbiased uh, point of view. Correct. It's all all about self-interest. Now, the the big thing about the self-interest for us as Celtic fans is we know we're going to win the league. We all, and I know the four of us on here and every Celtic fan I know wants us to play the league out, but it's not going to happen. Because there's not going to be, nobody knows when the season can be any football can be played again. So they need to call this season, but they can't now avoid it. So, as Harry says, at some point they're going to have to call it. And they're probably better calling it as soon as possible rather than letting this drag on and drag on and fester for months.
1: Um, oh, I forgot this uh, today, I should have mentioned it. There was a massive story. I, I Obviously, I only see The Guardian online, I don't see. The physical paper but I imagine this will be splashed over page one there'll be a seven page puller inside there's a some MP filed an early day motion Harry you're a, you're a parliamentary correspondent what does that mean
4: it means that uh, it gets it off their chest they can go and show it off to friends and nobody in the world even knows that it's happened
1: the uh what was the boy's name
3: Paul uh, Gregory Campbell.
1: Right. Who, tell, uh, tell me about
3: Gregory think, Campbell. I think in, in his previous oh, Gregory, I mean, th- this will come as a major surprise to any of uh, any listeners. But Gregory's a Rangers fan, which, uh, <laughs> and uh, I think I think his his last notoriety. He, he, I mean, I pulled up took, took me thirty seconds to Google it this morning. Was he did an interview with the Vanguard Bears, which is you, you know like like. <laughs> The provisional wing, the kind of ranger support, and uh, and talked in some length and some degree of expertise. I mean, this this is a, a few years ago, of course, about the the massive fraud that Glasgow district, uh, Glasgow city council was perpetrating on the the council taxpayer by selling us land below true value at Lennox Town and elsewhere. So. I mean, the guys—the uh, guy, the guys absolutely, you know, the, the neutral voice that, that's yeah. needed for, for, for this this type of operation—but uh, a complete nut job, and it, I think is quoting our <laughs> or paraphrasing our uh, actual parliamentary correspondent who quoted, uh, sort of tweeted about it this morning, Kevin. But, uh, I think he he described it as the equivalent of you know, a parliamentarian drawing graffiti on the wall. I think it's more like a chimpanzee throwing shit at a wall to be honest. Uh, yeah. Gre-
2: Gregory Campbell is a bigoted hun DUP dinosaur whose views are ignored with anyone with a brain. Yeah,
3: they didn't believe in dinosaurs, <laughs> that's Right they don't <laughs> No, I think
4: they I think they now oh, do, oh, but they have got got But just they believe, believe they, they believe they be in clear. lesbian dinosaurs. Right. Yeah, I think they now do, but believe that they ro- they roamed the earth five thousand years ago at the same oh. time as man, because they've had to accept because there's been too many fossils for them to be in denial.
1: Unbelievable stuff. The uh, yeah, anyway, that was I, I I can't believe that story wasn't followed up by the mass ranks of the of uh, well, the but, Scottish but, press. But getting
3: back, getting back to your point, Emma, a paid journalist wrote that story and and presented it in such a way that it looked like it was some you know, some massive parliamentary inquiry was going to kick off at a time when we're going through the worst crisis this country's probably certainly post war, but possibly has ever seen. You know, who writes a story like that and thinks that anybody's going to take it seriously? It's quite clearly just bollocks.
1: Well, you could say the same about this podcast, the difference being that we don't take this podcast seriously. Uh, the so there was that, uh, any other editor, missing? So, what, what do you think, Harry? What is there? Uh, I mean, I was laughing about the playoff thing. I mean, we talked about it last week. What's your view, being the guest? What's the option? What's the the most sensible option from a football perspective and a business perspective?
4: We we want. As as the guys are saying, we want the season to be played out because we want to celebrate winning the league for the ninth title time in a row. We want. I mean, we must. You know, we all know the stats about we are 98.7% certain to win the league. We must be about 70% certain to win a quadruple treble. So we want that to happen. But the reality is, for a whole load of reasons, the league cannot be kicked down the line because of shut sponsorship deals, because of sponsorship deals on the existing season for various things because of the possibility, as you guys have talked about in previous podcasts, because of the possibility of people asking for their season but money back because of what it will do to contracts that are due to start for the next season and first. For all of those reasons, a decision has to be made about ending the season. And so with the fact that it's patently obvious to me, and this isn't a political comment, this is just an observation I don't think anybody at the top of the SNP government is that interested in football, and so I think really whenever somebody says, "So what are you going to do about football?" there is an attitude of, "I'm dealing with bigger things just now. That can wait for a very long time." And so football is not getting prioritised in any way. I'm not saying it should or it shouldn't. I'm just just a matter of fact. Consequently, you need to make a decision, and you need to try and do it in a way that maximises the number of clubs that are still here for us to kick off the, the campaign whenever it kicks off.
5: Well,
1: I, I heard uh, Red Sturgeon's uh, comments on this. I think she completely overlooked, you've talked about this before, Harry, in all sorts of places, the, the economic importance of football. I mean, I mean, there's a case to be to be made that she should be paying attention. She should be doing as much as she can to get things up and running again.
4: Well, I, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. As I've said before, I mean, even during between during the war, the politicians understood the the benefit of football in terms of mental well being, of a distraction, of a of entertainment for people to enjoy. Anybody who knows anything about Scottish culture knows how important to it is. I mean, okay, the newspaper industry is dying, but anybody who ever worked in the newspaper industry will tell you how important the newspaper sales. Uh, Scottish football was it's an intrinsic part of our life and it, it may come across as petty but the reality is she, she made the the very valid point today that when they are weighing up how many people the virus will kill uh, they also have to weigh up what's the consequences of the lockdown how will it destroy the economy destroying the economy has consequences for health and, and life and death situations and people's life expectancy f- for for a period of time it has a consequence in education and sport plays a major part of that not just in terms of the economy and the full-time jobs that it creates you know I think there's another phrase of Under Institute report out by the SPFL about the 200 million pounds a year that the Scottish football is worth to the Scottish economy I've not studied it so I don't know but there'll be you know, a number of, you know, thousands of full-time equivalent jobs are supported by football. So there is a consideration of keeping it going and understand about not bringing it back too early, but you do have to consider what steps you're taking to avoid it dying off completely.
1: Well, that was my point though, no, um, Rem. The, you, you have to do everything to keep, it go- to keep the thing alive, the, 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 the league alive for as long as possible because one day this will all be over and but I mean the league might have you know if we don't do the right thing now the league will be gone there'll be so few professional clubs so if if calling the league now is is the best thing we can do to help sustain uh, help keep the league alive and surely everybody has to has to accept that even Rangers
2: every club will accept it bar one it's
1: bonkers,
2: isn't they, it? They, they, they'd, they'd rather kill themselves and everyone in Scottish football than seeing us being successful. So,
4: so they've got a Scottish... Too many people have said to me they've got a Scotch death strategy to Scottish football. If there's no spectators in the ground in August, September, they're gone. Yeah, And so they want to take everyone else with them. Yep.
1: Then... Actually, we come on to that. Uh, so let's say, Harry, let's say the league survives. It's called or not called. Let me hang. Let me phrase this right. What? What? How much danger is Scottish football in? Let me put it like that.
4: I, ironically, I think the clubs who've got the best chances of surviving are in probably in the bottom tier of Scottish football because their player contracts all finished all their players are on, on nine month contracts or ten month contracts that all expire in May they're not earning that much money anyway if they can get themselves through to May what, they've really not got any great costs associated with the club uh, those of them that have got an AstroTurf pitch have got even fewer costs associated with keeping the club open and the issue won't be the top flight because they've got so many fixed costs I mean if you just think about it look at Celtic Rangers how much must it cost to just open and close the doors in a stadium the size of Celtic Park open and close the doors on Lennox Town to stop the pitch turning into a jungle to talk, to stop the training ground pitches turning into jungles you know this time of year this is the time of year where everything just comes alive You've, you've got to have at least the gardeners there doing something. It's really difficult to turn the taps off on costs.
1: Have, have we got any income coming in at all? No. Nothing?
4: We've got the new Adidas deal, but again, I, I don't know the implications of having no football and therefore no eyes on the to sell the, the, shirt, the shirts to. Uh, the implication you know perhaps by the time we launch the strip probably based on other people's lockdowns coming up uh, easing retailers will be open and um, to be able to sell the strips in the summer but you know people are going to have more important things people you know a, a large chunk of our support will have no might have lost their jobs and lost their income buying a shirt's going to be towards the bottom of the list of priorities. There will be a group of people who are sitting in their houses at the moment who are better off because they've got nothing to spend their money on Um, but there'll be large chunks of people buying a a football shirt. So again you don't know whether Adidas there there may be clauses in contract that allow Adidas to, um, to, to, to not pay out full amounts if there's no games on television and stuff like that no corporate hospitality no season books sold Um, it's what is it £4 a head for every home game in addition to your season book sales in terms of the profit Celtic make from all the ancillary stuff that's sold on a match day gone
1: we've also lost you heard a a story the other day about New Balance didn't you? Uh, yeah
4: that's top secret
1: um, (laughs) but again we've lost five home games that's almost a four four well, four home games. What's that? A quarter of the season. Quarter of the home games. Just under. Well, twenty percent. I don't know. What is it?
4: Four out of nineteen. Yeah, twenty percent. A fifth, roughly. Um, there's um, there's four six Scottish Cup semi-finals to generate revenue to pay out. Yeah. There's a, If we'd have got to the Scottish Cup final, there's the there's a the revenue from that. If cross border competitions aren't allowed, there's the revenue from European competitions going. Is the ability to sell any player in the summer, which is part of our business strategy, gone?
1: Again, Rem, you might know this. Uh, what was our? How much money did we have? The last accounts. How much money did we have in the back in the bank account at, when the last accounts were published? Was it thirty-four oh, million or uh,
2: something? I, memory serves me it was thirty-two million, something like that. But that was when. That would have been the end of December.
1: Right. So somebody said to me. Um, well, everybody thinks we've got thirty-two million or thirty-five million or whatever it is in the bank, but that was in December. The, from yep. the months, from the months, to January through to the end of the season, we don't make that much money. I mean, it's all it's a lot of outgoings. That's when we we deplete our bank accounts the most during the season. Correct.
2: Correct, and you know we actually you can see that if you look at the amount of away games we played post split, because we played a lot of our home games before the split. Uh, before the split so sort of before the year end um, you know in the way they, the way they account for uh, season book money is to release it per home game I and mean, that obviously isn't cash but you know the cash does deplete we bought a couple of players in January um, I don't want to go back there and over them but we did spend some money um, so it's been mainly well okay we had another home European game so that would have got something in but
1: We'll, be, we'll have spent a lot more than
2: we've earned since uh, December.
1: What would we be down to, Harry, do you think, when the whole thing was called off?
4: No, I think we would have £45 million when our accounts so were 45, announced. Cause, what, what, uh, yeah, because I was... I believe by the time we got to March, we had £30 million in the bank. Oh,
1: well, we okay, still had £30 million in the bank.
4: Yeah. So We'd we spend £50, we spend 50, 50 million, million between December
2: so and March. Million, we spend £5 million a month then, if you take that. Yeah.
4: Okay,
2: and that's ignoring pay deferrals yeah, or or uh, cuts, whatever they want, however they want in and follows, right? But so let's just say it's gone down to three and a half million.
4: That's what annoyed me so much when a thick as mince journalist wrote an article criticising Celtic for not running up and down the street uh, with Peter Lowell throwing pound notes out of his pockets, and um, we shouldn't have furloughed the staff. We should have. Uh, we should have just been chucking Charlie Chuck away, and we should have been lend- giving money out to the uh, the rest of Scottish football. Pa- patently, someone who knows f all about business, but again gets a big headline in the papers for it. The first thing any the any executive should do in this situation, where you know you've got no revenue and you've no idea how long you're gonna it's gonna mm-hmm. last, is you maximise how much cash you've got in the bank and keep as much of it as possible for as long as possible. Yeah.
1: So say we've got. Thirty million in March. And we're spending three and a half million a month. What's that? I, well, so we will survive. I was. I, I only ask Harry. I'm just thinking in my head. I was, I'm. I'm. petrified that that we run out of money.
4: No, my 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 concern. I mean, I I keep swaying. The way this has moved. If you think about it, the UK only locked down, what, four or five weeks ago? We only locked, five, six weeks ago, there was a debate about whether Celtic and Rangers should actually play each other on the Sunday or not. And they only decided two days before not to. Just think how much things have moved on in that five, six weeks. So September, August time is a very, very, very long way away in all of this. My my gut feel is that I I do think we will get some behind closed door football starting round about September. I think the the leagues with the huge money, the English Premiership, they will generate enough political, economic and political pressure to get behind closed doors football for their leagues. And I think it will then become impossible for governments. In smaller league countries, to stop that happening, and we will at least get some revenue from the TV money by that happening. Perhaps some commercial transactions, and maybe be able to do something fancy like those of us who can afford it can still get to buy a season book, and maybe you get a username and password for the club's TV channel to watch the games taking place that aren't going not uh, that aren't part of the Sky deal, and you can watch them until we can get in, and and, and you know maybe in round about Christmas time or January, they can you know, maybe spectators will start getting in grounds. I think we could get to that point. My concern is we burn away our competitive advantage yeah. and we spend all our cash getting to that point and uh, and so we've lost our competitive advantage by the new year.
1: Our competitive advantage being all the advantages we accrued over the last twenty years by being decent stewards of the club. Unleashed. Yeah, I
4: mean, I, I, I tell you the the huge dilemma that 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 scenario would would grant. And I spoke to someone last night who said that they'd they'd spoken to someone at the top of the SPFL, and I said, how could they possibly have a situation? Imagine there's a crazy situation where Celtic. I joked about it earlier. Celtic start on zero points, and they're the only team in Scottish football not on a, the only team in the top flight not on a negative amount of points, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I said so sh- surely they couldn't do that and, and the person I was speaking to said that they spoke to someone at the top of the SPFL and said as long as there's one club that doesn't go into administration we would need to dish out the negative points for
3: going into administration and liquidation
1: hey Paul are you scared about this like me
3: uh, aye probably I think Harry just nailed it there I think the, the competitive advantage but it's the, the really worrying scenario for me I, I, I didn't mean that and I, I kind of Flippant way about the rest of the whole thing, it's a really serious situation. But in football terms, you have built up 20 25 years worth of, of good management in the club probably 26 years actually. And you're in a situation now where that is going to get wiped out. Uh, you if you want to kind of do it in the black and white Glasgow terms, you've got one club that's more than likely going to have to go into a situation where they, they, they undergo some kind of insolvency event to. to Inverted and survive again, uh, and then you've got the likelihood then that they can restructure their debt, they can wipe some debt, they can go through a kind of whole situation and end up almost at an equal position with us when we've tried nothing but to, to do things the right way for a long, long time and trying to do the right the right thing through this period. Uh, so, for that point of view, it's, it's a worry. I mean, again, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's football, and you know, for all the reasons it's important, it's also. Not that important when you know you look at what's happening in people's lives, but it's it, you know the clubs an institution to us all. It means a lot to us all, and any pain that the club's going through, we're we're going to feel it.
1: Just how gutted Rangers are.
4: Well, they needed. I mean, you guys talked about it. I think uh, maybe mentioned it last last week. They announced in their accounts, uh, their last uh, published accounts that they needed. £10 million to get to this point in the season and then at this point in the season, season book revenues would start to come in and that would then allow them to keep going. So the season book revenues aren't coming in. Um, Remy might be able to explain more about factored invoicing, which I believe (laughs) might be a finance strategy that Rangers have employed for the direct debits that that are coming in to, to there's a company called Premium Credit that Rangers use to collect their direct debits, and obviously with the season stopped and the precarious financial position, if people have stopped their direct debits for final payments, and raise of money have done a factored invoicing finance deal, they might be <laughs> yep. in in a severe oh. situation.
1: Here, hang on oh. a minute, Paul. You and I, we'll have we'll start our own podcast. We'll talk about transfer
3: gossip. Okay. <laughs> no, Lawrence, sorry, I, I used to work with factored invoicing as well so I know
2: what I'm talking yeah, about Lawrence, <laughs> Right, you, you and speak to your golf mates we're all going for accountancy porn <laughs>
1: <laughs> Right, Remy factored invoicing you've got 45 seconds tops
2: <laughs> Right, right, right in a, in a word right? oh, in, a, in a very short say, say you sell something for £100 you will have a deal with a finance company and or a bank that they will pay probably 75 to 80% of that up front. So let's say you get 80 pounds. Now they will either collect the whole hundred and forward on your 20 minus fees, or you will collect it yourself, but then have to pay, the, the bank account that will be paid in will be to them and they will give you the balance, which will be, the fees will be smaller. Because you've done the work to collect the money, but it's a very expensive form of borrowing, particularly if your bills are not paid in time.
1: So basically, because it is, not that I care that much, it is, I mean, they're defying gravity right now, aren't they?
2: Yeah, but well, yeah, were you two guys happy with that explanation?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Once for me. Yeah. Yeah, they are defying gravity, though, aren't they? I mean, I'd be interested
2: to know what's going on. The interesting thing I think is that every other club has come out and said how bad things could be, and I, and even include Celtic have made a few sort uh, hints and you know, but they've said nothing, absolutely nothing, apart from their captain coming out today saying they've got a winning mentality. Well, I suppose they haven't been lost a game for a month, but they're. they're <laughs> They, they haven't said a thing. There's nothing leaking in the press. It is so weird.
1: Harry, what's going on?
4: Come on. I, I just think they're stuffed and um, their sort of squirrel attempts at uh, distracting everybody from it. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's really odd, actually. The, the odd time that I go and and get a glimpse of the... The thought process of their fans—they seem to think that they are rock steady, immune from this. N- nobody I- is immune from it, and you know, to to pretend that to, they seem to be living in in, in denial. I mean, there, there, for a while, when you know, for the last couple of years, when I've heard people talk about Rangers are close to administration, I, I have thought, but but why well, there would be no benefit? Because the the debt of the club is owed to the current directors and shareholders so why would they pull it down for debts that are owed to themselves anyway but the problem will be the 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 thing that they can't stop which is the trading insolvently thing a direct you can't as a director trade insolvently so if they know that they themselves can't plug the hole that is required and there's no prospect of any revenue coming in then they've got no option to put the business into administration or, or uh, call in receivers because they're not allowed to trade insolvently, knowingly insolvently. But they, do, they've got do, to do it.
1: Do people do it? But do people just try and get away with it?
4: Well, but, but eventually when you're not paying the bills, then you know you could find that the court appointing the receiver and they go in yeah. and the directors who've all got other business interests. They'll quickly be able to spot that they were knowingly trading insolvently, and and they could you know they could be struck off from being a director.
3: So, I mean, with it going over the, the, the kind of the, the debris twenty twelve that that in a nutshell was effectively what they did in twenty twelve. I mean, they they went down a or whatever version of them you want to talk about, but they went down a road where they knowingly, you know, were were plugging gaps with we kind of strange strange financing methods at the same time as they, they weren't paying their uh, VAT and tax obligations, so you know that's 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 a form of trading insolvent. So to, to answer your question, yep, it does happen, and it's happened in football.
1: Here, um, I want to I want to sort of close it out with a bit of sunniness, but before we get there, uh, Harry, is uh, do you think Celtic there's more cost cutting coming, or is there any other ways that Celtic can save money, <laughs> stretch out that the money, whatever money we've got in the bank? Do, do you
4: know the the one thing I would say from everything I've heard about a. Uh, Peter Lawwell and, and, you know, one of the things he's been criticised about is because he's a very, he's a stereotypical prudent penny, pound penny um, wise accountant and I think he's actually much in, in relation to finances. I think part of the reason why he gets criticised with the Celtic fans is because he's much more of a glass half empty person and always prepares for worst case scenarios. The benefit to Celtic right now of having somebody like that is he put our staff on our non-playing staff furloughed as quickly as possible. I think he will make very take very drastic steps. I I think he will have analysed the figures to the nth degree, and I suspect he will be trying to find a way to have Celtic trade through with no spectators turning up in the ten in a row season. And, and 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 I think things might happen quicker than his expectation, and, and as a consequence, we might actually get out of this better than we feared we could.
1: Yeah. Uh, what would you do? Where would you where would you cut? Uh, Rem, if you were running the club, what would you do to cut the costs even more? Well,
2: I a- think uh, I think you would have to rather than the players having deferrals they would get cuts. Uh, anyone whose contract was up wouldn't get extended. And uh, we wouldn't be buying Andy and you would be looking to negotiate any any payments out we have any transfer instalments we've got to make and players we've made. You would be trying to do, you would be trying to renegotiate them and put them back a wee bit further.
1: Yeah. Hmm. You, you can like, cut. You can cut players' wages, though. You just can't. Because yes, you can. Well,
4: yes, you can. Where are they gonna go? What are they gonna do? The, the 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 real world people do.
1: But if you if I turn around to you, Harry, and say, right, your wages are cut. Um, you can say, well, you've just broken our contract. I'm off. I'm now a free agent. Where are you going? Well, I'll just I'll sit it out for three months, and then I can go to. Leon for even more wages because Leon... And if I'm your
4: agent, I would say don't be a tit. Yep. You're cutting off your nose despite your face because who knows what the transfer market's going to be? Who knows what clubs are going to survive this? You're guaranteed to be getting some money from Celtic. Sit tight. Let's negotiate a deal where you get this money and... Let's negotiate something where, if it improves quicker than we expect, you get money. You, you you go up quicker, or you get a percent. You get a percentage of any fee that Celtic sign you on to. The, the, this is not peculiar to Scottish football. The English Championship's finished. Well, as we currently know it, I, I'm
1: assuming.
4: Yeah, the, I mean it's it's in a far worse state than the than the, the top flight of Scottish football, for the financial precarious nature of it. Who knows what clubs are going to go down this Swanee? Well, I
3: mean there, there was interesting well, to today. Uh, sorry, an to in The week One and week Two uh, in, in England have put forward. Uh, I think it's 37 out of 44 clubs have signed up to a proposal for a salary cap. So they they want to introduce from next season exactly what we're talking about is effectively there'll be a a graded scale acceptable salaries in each league that no club will be able to breach. It happens in other sports, it's happened I think in the past in the football and I'm sure it was Jimmy Hill or somebody, another one for the kids, that that argued against the maximum wage but that's effectively what English football and the lower leagues are starting to look at now and that'll translate into the championship in no time. And effectively, what we're talking about in Scotland, I think, will will be something maybe no as draconian as that, but it'll be similar. I mean, I guess what I would say from the the supporter perspective, of all this it is a bit confusing. It's a bit confusing for everybody what's going on in their lives just now. But the biggest sort of take out about it is we need to reset expectations about what what the club's going to look like for a couple of years. There, there's not going to be any. £7 million signings coming in we're not going to be selling anybody probably unless England manages to, to resurrect itself we're not going to sell anybody for 25 or £30 million quid. that's you know the the, the paper talk is, is garbage we're, that's just not going to happen there's no way we'll pay a transfer fee this summer for any players I mean, let's just be realistic about that now and if that means uh, rightly or wrongly and, and I think a lot of us would argue rightly anyway that we start to rely more heavily on are, are very talented or, or what talented youth we've got and give them an opportunity, then that's going to have to be the way it is. It might be a a silver lining out of this is that guys will get more game time than they would otherwise have got that are coming through the ranks. But you know whether what, whatever you think of the, the players we've got in the books at Celtic, I think that's realistically where we are. I, I agree with with Amy and Harry's points. The guys who are out of contract at the end of the season, I think, will go at the end of the season. To create some headroom and some some you know salary cap, a, a salary headroom for for the rest of the club. Remy,
1: you'll be gutted. Craig Gordon gone.
3: Devastated.
1: He's, uh, but, he's but a- if he's skin
2: if he's skinned, I'll give him a lift home.
1: Oh, that's brutal. He was on the Instagram feed today. Couple of things here, Paul. Sal- Celtic don't want to get near a salary cap because that that destroys our competitive advantage that we've <laughs> earned. <laughs>
3: It's true. Saying, I don't think salary caps are, are realistic, you know, Scottish, because we're so far ahead in terms of the, yep. the salaries we pay. But I think what what is it's an indication. I think of what you're talking about is that salaries in football generally are going to be lower, transfer fees in football generally are going to be lower. All the costs are, are going to be looked at. All the revenue lines are going to be scrutinised to see how you can maximise them. It's it's going to be a much much more austere game for the next couple of years, and. and you know, globally, but certainly in Scottish terms, uh, what's been really tight for the last few years is about to get extremely tight for a number of clubs, ourselves included. Harry, my big thing is,
1: I want us to get to 55, right? That's what I want, right? And I'm just scared that this brings us, or brings them closer to us. That's my big fear.
4: I mean, the only sort of, Positive about, about this is from that perspective, we negotiated a short deal pre coronavirus. They don't have a short deal. Yeah.
5: I think
2: they don't even have a shut. It's amazing, yep. isn't it?
4: Yes. So yeah, Scott Bain and Connor Hazard are gonna be our number one and two goalkeepers next season. Almost certainly. Unless Fraser Foster turns round and says, Asley, I play for Celtic for five grand a week. Or something like that. No, then those correct. So uh, I mean, the, the the only thing is again, you got to look at the difficulty of of judging where we're going to be. Is how long this is going to last, and we have no concept of what the footballing landscape financially is going to look like Europe Europe wide after this, because whilst we are concerned about our club, you might find that is there's, there's nowhere for our staff. There's nowhere for Edward to go. For example, and so he ends up staying with us because for two seasons nobody's getting him. You've no concept of what it's going to look like at the end of this because we don't
3: know when the end is. Yeah, your best, your best chance of seeing transfers in and out next season is going to be the old, the old-fashioned swaps or trades, as Jock Brown used to call them. But I, I think there, there's a wee chance if you look at Southampton, for example. You know, if you were a Southampton. Director of football, you might look at it and go, Oh, you've got El and you've got uh, Forster, and you want to keep them. All right, we'll swap you for Edward plus two million or five million. It's like the old football manager thing uh, on the game, but even that's, you know, when you start looking at the wages that, that you know, like the likes of Forster are on. There's no way we're, we're going to be able to pay that. And I know people will are listening to this thinking about we're Celtic, and we're this and we're that and Champions League money and all that, but we need to rethink what that's going to look like because it's not going to be the kind of the, the flowing wine lake that it's been for the last couple of years. Here, I'm
1: going to finish on an upbeat note. There, is that a trade you would take, Harry? I see. Uh, El and Forster plus three billion for Edward.
4: I think in the in the economic climate we'd be going to, uh, I think that is a deal that would be worth taking. We could chuck in bio as well.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, uh, uh, right, well that's how we'll finish. Right, Rem, give us a trade. <laughs> right, give us a trade that you fancy. Oh,
2: jeez. Hey, 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 I, 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 I don't know, because... I genuinely don't know uh, I'd like what I would like is to do if we're kind of going to go with what we have just now and we need to make one trade we need to trade our left back from somewhere uh, we what about uh,
1: I'm trying to think McGregor for no no that's not I'm trying who, who's a good midfielder Harry who would be a good midfielder for Benkovic who have we got for Benkovic Mikey don't, no they're not, Leicester wouldn't do that They'd want McGregor for Benkovic, wouldn't they? Benkovic is always injured. Why would you want him? Uh, Harry...
2: If, if we did a deal with Brendan Rogers, he'd try and stiff us over. I wouldn't go near him.
1: Uh, Harry, you didn't you exactly take part in the fun here, Remy, did you? Harry, what's your big trade? <laughs> uh,
4: Callum McGregor for Harry Maguire.
5: <laughs>
4: Plus... Plus
3: five plus plus five million quid. Yeah. Yeah, if if we're looking for a goalkeeper we could do worse than get Morelos. Can you imagine the size of him when he comes back to Colombia. Just wedge him into goals.
1: We need to get a, a big tub of uh, of Vaseline, right? And then we
2: yeah, fantastic. <laughs>
4: Well
5: Rage,
4: Stevie Woods Witt, coach in Morella. <laughs> <laughs> don't R- move just R- don't score at Celtic Park
1: and Morelos is playing, so that's a good shout. <laughs> right, on the day we've descended to the absolute pits here, Harry. Factored invoicing. Can't believe we got that in. Snuck it in. Um honestly though, what's, give us something uh, before you go, Harry. Give give us a sort of sunny outlook on it all. well could this play in any? is there any way that this could play to Celtic's advantage in a footballing sense once the football starts again yeah
4: I actually do I mean it depends when it finishes but say it finishes with us remaining intact right and Rangers because they are treated as the same club as Scottish football would actually be experiencing their second insolvency event so they would have a bigger points deduction than if one else imagine next season
2: no they wouldn't no they wouldn't they would they not? You no know, five years it's insolvent uh, again uh, five years they get away with that one
1: of course that'll be the next battleground okay we'll give up the you know the, that's the titles decided and all that but no points deduction for teams that face uh, that go have an administration that'll be the next battlefield won't it?
4: Hi. no as I say the, the the person I was told who spoke to someone at the very top of the SPFL said that as long as one club is solvent they would have to employ the points deduction the, the counter I put to that was Dundee claim th- that um, their uh, I can't remember what the insurance is called their continuity insurance um, the insurance that pays out for business interruption insurance Dundee claim that theirs is paying out so if Dundee remains solvent and they've already set here's a cracker what if Rangers go completely bust? They've already set the precedent that if you go bu- completely bust in Scottish football they, they allow your, your club to reincarnate at the bottom tier. <laughs> what if Rangers were put down at the bottom tier of Scottish football all over again? <laughs> no, it... what,
2: what if the bottom tier was only one league? What well, if only one league in Scotland?
4: Yeah, Ach, a, no, there'll the the, the, the the, the be the the way two least.
2: Uh, Yeah, the, 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 I, I, I just want to know that uh, having introduced uh, factored invoicing into the conversation, Mr. Blue Sky, whether you're actually a rugger
4: guy. Oh, very good.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, Before you. Um... See how
4: I many cream eggs you can stick up your backside, never into that type of shit.
1: Um the anyway, I interrupted you, Harry. The uh, and don't swear, enough, swear on our say just swearing for your podcast, would you? Oh, <laughs> says the man says the man who was Mr.
4: Blue Airwaves when he ke- last came in the Celtic a <laughs> Great podcast.
1: I, I never been asked back by the way, Remy. Can you believe that? The, uh,
4: yes,
1: I can believe it. Uh, so give us a uh, you know, Celtic come out of this. This, you, this actually improves Celtic's uh, position. Here's here's just my blue sky
4: thinking. Oh. that Actually, I, I've been thinking the wrong way. They will actually uh, a, a drug treatment that that uh, a drug treatment that uh, stops people dying from the coronavirus will happen before a vaccine. They will allow spectators in. It will be at the point where we've still got ten million pounds in the bank, but raises have gone bust. Actually, Rangers have then had to, in order to stop themselves going bust, they did get all the high earners off their wage bill, and they're playing with their youth team, and they finished fourth because Aberdeen managed to hold on to their players because they told their players, you yeah, either take a pay cut or you go nowhere, and, and same with Motherwell, and the players had nowhere to go, so they stayed, and Aberdeen and Motherwell finish ahead of Rangers, that's my... That's my positive This is how it's going to end We're back in the grounds in November Football starts at the end of August Beginning of September We're in grounds in November Rangers go bust Just before this The, the, the week before they find out that they, If they could have just traded for another week They were fine Rangers go bust They play their youth players And they finish fourth
1: On that cheery note <laughs> Harry, good to talk to you pal Cheers
4: You Harry Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you, Paul. See you, Remy.